When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Well, Greg, okay, we got to get started with Le'Veon Bell, don't we? I mean, we've been talking about this guy for the past couple of days. Some Patriots fans wanted Bell to be a Patriot. That's not happening. Earlier tonight, we found out he's a Kansas City Chief. Yeah, I I, I don't think it was a huge surprise. Um, I think, look, if you're Le'Veon Bell and you just want to recoup your interest around the league and set up your next contract and next landing spot, I mean, look, you can't do any worse than the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, it's, uh, it's a great offense to be in no matter what position you are. I think he actually, out of, you know, all the teams that uh, were into him, and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, whether or not, the Patriots were in in a second, but uh, you know, you just look at the Chiefs. They yes, they have Clyde Edwards-Helaire, the rookie, who's a dynamite back. But on my he, fantasy team, by the way, this kills yeah, my fantasy team. I just want to mention that. Maybe you know we'll see, uh, but I will say that uh, Edwards-Helaire, I loved him coming out in the draft, but he really he really is a third down back. He's sort of like a. Uh, he's like a Darren Sproles type. He's, I mean, he's better than Darren Sproles, I would say, in terms of he can be more of an every down back. But that's not really his role. And if they did that, if they used him in that role all season, first of all, I don't know if he, he would have lasted the whole season physically because that's a lot for a rookie to come in, no preseason, yeah. all that stuff. But I think now that Bell can come in and slide in, even though he's a tremendous receiver and can, can play on every down, which – they probably will use both of them at times on third down, which will be a complete nightmare for defensive coordinators. Uh, but Bell nicely slides into sort of the main first two down back, and then that lets Edwards Hilaire sort of dial back, conserve him, get him to more around 15 to 20 touches a game instead of threatening to do anything more than that. And so I think there's no question it makes them better. I, I Nick, I don't know about you. I, look, I – I've watched some Jets the past couple of years, especially when they play the Patriots. Bell's been hurt at times. Um, I don't know how good he is at this point. I, yeah. When he was with the Steelers, he was the best back in the league, bar none, in my opinion, just because of his ability running and catching. Uh, he is. I will say this. He is a pain in the ass for offensive linemen to block for because – you know, most running plays, it says like, all right, you're supposed to go here and, you know, just hit the hole and whatever. But he's one of these bob and weave, you know, read the blockers. Like he's got better vision than anybody ever uh, as far as, you know, his style of back. 
but that you know he, you don't know where he's going to be and when he's going to come out as an offensive lineman so that, that that can take some time i know the steelers offensive lineman oftentimes thought he was a pain in the rear end to block for it'll be interesting to see how that transitions um there but i think uh you know there's little doubt that he makes the chiefs better and more formidable in the afc if he is still the back we saw in pittsburgh i don't know i don't know what you think about him yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people look at his situation and they say, oh, Adam Gase, right? He was everything that Adam Gase touches usually turns to crap, right? Outside of Peyton Manning and Manning, he's not going to get credit. Come on, I mean, give me a break. It, it was Peyton Manning. Uh, so I think a lot of people look at this and they say, well, he played for a bad Jets team. The offensive line wasn't very good. Uh, the head coach slash play caller is not very good. That offense is just terrible. And the usage was a little weird because they weren't throwing the football to him. So I think some of it could be Adam Gase. But I also look at some of the things that I've read over the past couple of years and what I've seen from Bell. Uh, he does not look as explosive to me. Now, again, maybe that's because of situation. Maybe he wasn't totally driven. I don't know. But he does not look as explosive as he did in Pittsburgh. And let's not forget, when he showed up to Jets camp, there were a lot of whispers and even reports that he showed up out of shape. Yeah, uh, the first year he signed that big contract and he showed up out of shape. So maybe he feels that he has another shot of making that big money again, another bite at the apple. I don't think that's going to happen, but maybe he thinks if I go up there to Kansas City and I play my butt off, I can get a, another contract to make all these NFL teams my, you know. You know, I want to say the word, my B word, yeah. if you don't want me to say it, uh, Greg, <laughs> on the podcast. So we'll see. We'll see if this motivates him. I, I don't think he's looked like the same guy. I think some of that is the Jets. I think some of that is Gase. But I also think some of it is Le'Veon Bell himself. The million-dollar question everybody wants to have answered, Greg, is were the Patriots legitimately involved? Were they interested? We saw a story come out yesterday from Adam Schefter, said that uh, there were phone calls between the Jets and the Patriots. Uh, our buddy Jeff Howe came out and said that he believes that phone call was from the Jets and not from the Patriots. What have you heard? Yeah, that's that's where I sort of fall on this. That's, you know, I think whenever anybody comes becomes available in the NFL, the Patriots are going to, you know, they're going to take a phone call. They're going to make a phone call. That's just what they do. They're looking for deals. And with the right. Jets possibly on the hook for a lot of the money as far as the offset went, you know, you're looking at a potential situation. I don't know how it worked out with the Chiefs, where you know, Bell could sign a one-year minimum deal with a contender to play for a winning team, and then the Jets are on the uh, you know foot in the bill for the extra six, seven million dollars. And so, I think that Belichick, with with that possibly in mind, would definitely love to do that because he loves to stick it to the Jets every single time. He can, and that's not hyperbole. He he does relish that. And so do I think they, they took a call? Yes. Do I think they maybe stayed involved to drive up the bidding a little bit? Possibly. But I don't think that they were really serious players for Bell, from, from what I understand. Do you think it's a mistake that they weren't serious players for Bell? No, just from this you know, aspect. I mean, first of all, we are, we've already talked about it, how many backs they have whenever Sony Michelle comes back. Yeah. Is bell better than what they have? Yeah, probably. Um, but is he that much better, um, in terms of what you might have to pay him? And also, you know, some of the headache involved because the Patriots really don't do the one back thing, which bell prefers to do. I just, 
I just think it was there was not it wasn't like a situation like say with um Aqib Talib when they got him at cornerback or Josh Gordon when they got him at receiver or Antonio Brown when they got him at receiver which is you know the Patriots were they didn't have anybody at those positions like they were yeah. desperate for yep. an impact good player where look they Sony Michelle's a first round pick Damian Harris is a third round pick Rex Burkhead is a guy they gave a ridiculous extension to off of an injury plague <laughs> season, you know, cause apparently he's Gail Sayers and look, Rex is fine. I just, you know, I don't like overpaying for people who, um, don't tend to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, and you have James white who is, I still believe the best third down back in the league. I just think he's tremendous. And I think he needs to be uh, used even more. And I think he will down the, down the stretch. You have JJ Taylor who, shows potential. I mean, I, I'm, I wouldn't be afraid of releasing him and getting back to the practice squad or, or bidding him adieu if somebody else signs him. But I just don't think you were going to get the bang for your buck or there was going to be that much of a reward. I mean, I, it just, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. I talked about this last night on EEI when I did the late night show and I said, it's not necessary. And I understand when a, a name comes up, everybody, you know, a lot of Patriots fans are like, ah, and you get the Bill Belichick video of him walking down the tunnel in the stone cold music and everybody goes crazy. But I don't want to stunt the possible growth of Damian Harris. I don't want to yep. stunt the possible growth of Sony Michelle. Um, I think Rex Burkhead is fine in his role. Again, we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago. He's not a guy that's going to give you you know, 200 snaps or anything, but, or 200 touches, but he, he's going to be a guy that can fill a role. And as you said, I, I love James white. And yeah. I, I think people overplay the idea of, Oh, throw him in the slot. Bell's a good running back receiver, right? If that makes sense, he's good for a running back and yeah, he can run slant routes and yes, he can run maybe some out routes or something from the slot position, but if you're going to bring somebody in to be a receiver, go get a receiver. Don't don't go get a back who can play receiver. Get me a receiver. You've got <laughs> enough at back. Find a legitimate receiver. You and I talked about Golden Tate last podcast. Go out and get somebody like that instead of Bell. Um, let's look at the AFC, though, overall now. I mean, we talked about if you want to hear our thoughts on the Broncos game, you can do that. Just go back a couple of podcasts to go. Uh, obviously COVID-19 affected everything in the schedule. We broke that game down. Both Greg and I think they're going to win. They as in the Patriots. Um, so let's look at some other stuff. You look at the AFC now and the power rankings, right? The, the top 10. And uh, I'm looking at your order. And in reverse order, you have the Dolphins at number 10. Are they better than you thought they would be this early on? No, they're about where I thought they'd be. Um, and actually they've started to come back. I mean, you know, that was a, that was a legit win that they had in San Francisco. I mean, nobody thought that was going to happen. I just yeah. think it's it's hard for me to really read too much into it because teams are going to have bad days. They just I know it doesn't happen very much in New England, even though it usually does in the first four games, four to six games of the year. They usually have a stinker, and it's usually in the in the division. But most teams overall just have a bad day at the office because they're not as well coached and they don't have the veteran veteran leadership that the Patriots have. Um, and they also don't have the transcendent quarterback, whether it be Tom Brady or Cam Newton that can rescue a team that comes out flat and just has a bad day. The, the Niners play terrible and they have a lot of issues on defense that the dolphins exploited. I mean, Fitzpatrick looked like 
I mean, he looked like an MVP candidate for crying out loud <laughs> um, in that game. And uh, so that was a huge surprise. And, and really, when, when I was looking at the rankings in the AFC, I, I really just stopped at nine uh, be, at first. And then I looked at it and I was like, well, I'll put a 10 in there just to round it out. <laughs> because really, I think it's the, the top nine, I think, are all teams that are going to be in the playoff hunt. And I think the Dolphins will be there especially once we see what they do with Tua later on in the season. But I think they're they're a legit 10. I just think anything below 9, I think all those teams are on the outside looking in in any event. Yeah, we got the Raiders at 9. We can pass by them. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. They're 3-2. and two. I'm interested in the Browns and the Colts because the Browns just beat the Colts, but you actually have the Browns behind the Colts in the rankings. Colts 3-2, and two, Browns 4-1. and one. Yeah, I just think, I think the Colts they need to figure some things out at quarterback and whether that's Philip rivers or it's Jacoby Brissett, they need to fill that out because I think the team in general, in terms of the defense is arguably the best in the league is rivers uh, washed. I think he's washed. I think he, I think he might be too. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree with that. And I think, I think they need a little bit more data and they bought themselves some time, especially in that division where, uh, you know, look, the Titans are probably going to run. I, I do think, I do think it'll be the, the, the Colts and the Titans will get a little bit tighter at some point, but uh, they need to make a decision sometime in the next couple of games, what they're going to do. And they need to see more and rivers just has to be better. If they got representative quarterback play in their two losses, then they should be five and up. And I, and we're talking about them, um, uh, you know, um, among the best in, in the conference. It's just that, you know, Rivers has just been terrible at certain times. And that team's just too good at this point to continue to get that kind of play at the quarterback position. And Rivers just has to realize he's he doesn't need to be a gunslinger anymore. He doesn't need to, um, you know, you're not in San Diego. You're, you're not behind by three scores. You don't need to go down and make plays. You just need to, you just need to manage the game. And this team could easily be 4-1, and 5-0, and oh, and is, except he still has that Chargers in him. Yeah, I think he's a mess. I think he's a turnover waiting to happen. His arm is like Linguini. He's got nothing left in that. So we'll see. We'll see if they eventually make the change. And if they do end up making the change, what a decision they made by giving him, what, $25 million. They passed up on Teddy Bridgewater. They passed up on Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton. They passed up on trying to make a trade for Nick Foles, even though I think Foles obviously runs hot and cold. But they picked Rivers because of that past in history between he and Reich and maybe Reich yep. fell in love with what Rivers was and not what he is the Steelers 4-0 uh their defense I think is tremendous yeah uh, you know I, I think they got guys at all three levels with Watt on the defensive line they've got Bush at the second level uh Fitzpatrick almost single-handedly turned around that secondary and defense last year uh you have them let's see one two three four five sixth in the AFC tell me why the undefeated Steelers are sixth uh, I just, you know, and the thing is, I, I think they have much better ball to play. I mean, I haven't been that all that impressed with uh, Roethlisberger in the passing offense so far. I mean, they, they certainly have their their moments and they've been good. I do. I do agree with you that the defense, the front seven has has been tremendous and the secondary is better. I just I just don't think that they've played, uh, you know, a tremendous schedule so far. And I want to see more. Um I want to see them against, you know, the Ravens. I mean, that's, you know, basically the whole kit and caboodle in that division. And, you know, the Browns are knocking on the door and they're, they're a fun story, but uh, I don't know how long that's going to last. You have to, you have to realize similar to the Patriots, that's a new coach 
in there and the more film that people will get on them, the better they'll be able to defend them. There's still an element of surprise with the Browns. Um, the Steelers, I just want to see more. I'm not, I'm not ready to jump on board with them, uh, you know, quite yet. You know, I'm more inclined to think that the bills are a little bit better, but that could flip flop. Let's talk about the bills because, you know, I've been watching bits and pieces at the bar of Josh Allen and, you know, I see what I see and and he has taken a, a no doubt step forward. I, I thought it might take him three, four years until he really started to figure it out. Even if he ever did figure it out uh, the first month of the season, everybody's yapping about him and the MVP discussion starts to get thrown out there. And then on Tuesday night, I don't know about you, Greg, but Josh Allen looked like Josh Allen to me. He had the flashes of brilliance. He makes a play. You go, man. He's got the rush in his face, two guys barreling down on him. He's backpedaling, and like off of his back foot with a flick of a wrist, he throws it 20 yards and hits a guy in the hands, and you go, man, what a play. But then you see the other plays. You see him throw it right between the arms of Kevin Byard. Uh, you see him you know, throw behind a receiver in Seth Roberts on the first drive for the Bills, which turned yep. into a Malcolm Butler pick. You see two other throws in the first quarter that it could, it could have easily been picked off one in the end zone one down the middle of the field as he was running towards out of bounds Uh, you know I just Allen to me is he's a tease and if you're a Bills fan you see some of those flashes and you go this guy could be a top seven eight quarterback in the league but inevitably he's just gonna have those plays that leave you scratching your head and say to yourself they get into the postseason all it takes is one or two mistakes and this team is done yeah, I, I, Nick, look, I agree with you largely on Allen. Um, do I think he's improved since last year? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I also yep. think he's extremely well coached. I mean, when I watch, when I turn on the Bills film, I see a lot of schemed open guys by Brian Dayball, who's doing a tremendous job. I, I don't know who the quarterback's coach is there, but he's he also must be doing a great job. And I also think that they have a you know a really good team. Uh, around him and he just he reminds me so much of Ryan Tannehill when Tannehill was with with the Dolphins interesting and and there were look there were stretches like that year I forget which year it was where Tannehill was also mentioned as an MVP candidate yeah it's right Uh, before he signed that big contract extension with the Dolphins (laughs) yeah and he tore his ACL that year and Matt Moore came into the playoffs and you know all that um and, and you the thing with these guys is that Look, they, they've had an easy schedule to start the year. Um, this was the first real opponent that they played. None of the teams that they played before this made the postseason the year before. And they got the, boat raced. Yeah, and, and the Rams were the best team that they played. And first of all, they got bailed out by a bad oh, ref call. Oh, that call was awful. It was awful. They should have lost after blowing a lead. It looked exactly like the playoff game against the, the Texans. Yep. And what I saw in that game was – you know, Josh Allen, there were a bunch of schemed up throws. Yes, he makes a couple of throws every game where you're just like, holy crap, that's that was a good throw. He's always done that. He's always been that guy. He has unbelievable talent. He has a tremendous arm. He can run like the wind for a big fella. Like he he puts together stretches where you're just like, Man, this guy's really good. But then he always reverts back to his old self. That in that Rams game, nobody talks about it, you know when they talk about Mr. MVP through four games, but he threw an interception that was basically a punt that he just, it looked like a punt in the air. Then the Rams are trying to come back and he's getting dragged down and he's not securing the ball and he fumbles and the Rams turn that into points. 
Like, and he did sort of the same thing in this game as well. I mean, the bad pick. There were other times he's getting sacked and he's not securing the ball. Like, he is a he's a turnover waiting to happen. And you can you can manage guys like this for three or four or five games at a time. But at a certain point, he he has to turn it loose, and, and you have to trust him. And I don't think he's earned that trust yet. He to me, he is the same guy that blew the Texans playoff game last year. Yes, and, lateral. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I just look. He's improved. Do I think he's terrible anymore? No. Was he terrible last year? Yes. Do I think he's terrible anymore? No. Do I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league? No, I don't. I think he's he's right where I had Tannehill for a long time, which was middle of the road. And like I said with Tannehill, who who also has a very strong arm and can run, I always thought that Tannehill had the potential to be sort of like a Rich Gannon guy, who where an athletic quarterback who it, the the position playing the position clicked later in their career. And that's what's going on with Tannehill right now. Plus he's being well coached and he's in a much better position. Uh, right now, Allen is in a good position. What happens if Brian Dayball gets a, gets a, a, a head coaching opportunity after this year? I think there's a great chance that Josh Allen regresses because that's when you get the measure of how good a quarterback is, but you know, we'll see. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before plenty of times. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I go back to it every time when I watch him play. If you get into a big game, I just feel like it's only a matter of time. And to make a yep. run with that kind of quarterback, he's got to hit the hot streak at the right time and take care of the football. And most of the time when we see quarterbacks like that, they inevitably make the mistake. Even if it's just one mistake in the big game, they make the mistake and it ends up haunting his team. So that, that's kind of what I see. That's what I've seen from the very beginning uh, here in his NFL career. All right, up next is the Patriots. We've got the Patriots at two and two. Yep. They are ranked fourth in the AFC. Um, you got the Titans, Ravens, and Chiefs ahead of them. Now, I don't think we need to wax poetic about the Chiefs or the Ravens. We know all about them. Yep. So I, I would just, I, I'd rather look at the Titans versus the Patriots and what you think separates those two teams between three and four. I think right now it's, uh, it's a toughness on both sides of the ball. Now, I'm not thrilled with the Titans' defense, and I think there are issues there. I thought they played, you know, they, put, they sort of played the same way that the Patriots played against Mahomes, which was, we'll give you the middle of the field, we'll yeah. let you do that. We're just not giving up the 50-yard bomb. And, and we don't think you'll be patient enough over 40 plays uh, to beat us. And that works for Josh Allen because he is not patient enough. And he's a guy, Allen's a guy. One more thing to add about him is that like, he just, he just, he's just frenetic. Like, yeah. and and he hasn't settled. He's like a yeah, puppy he's scattered. Yeah, yeah. He's like, when you see him in the pocket, he's kind of like scattered and uh, you know, he's jumpy. He's jumpy yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I think the game will slow down for him eventually, but I think it's like Tannehill another, you know, about five, six years into his career. But I think, um, you know, the Titans, I have a lot of issues with their defense and I need to see more there. Um, I just think right now they're a little um, mentally tougher. I think they have better skill position players um, and they didn't even have like a guy like Humphreys in this game. They're yeah. getting guys back from COVID that they didn't yeah. have. Davis and, wasn't in there, right? Corey Davis was out, I think. Yeah, Corey Davis wasn't in there. So, you know, I think they have some upside there. I just, I think their skill personnel in terms of running back, uh, their tight ends better, their receivers are better. 
Uh, I, I just think that the, the Titans are a little bit better right now, but I do think it's pretty close between the two teams. Uh, I, you know, with the Patriots, I, I just think there's much, there's much more to come from them, but they are going to have to figure some things out and hopefully they get some sort of influx as far as talent at the skill positions. All right, let's jump, uh, let's jump to the Patriots now and talk about Nikhil Harry. You had a conversation with him today. Uh, you asked him, you know, when you were watching NFL games and you're seeing other guys from your draft class, and you and I have talked about this on the podcast, especially the DK Metcalf stuff, right? The the Seahawks game, everybody yep, AJ Brown mother, the other night. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Everybody and their mother is tweeting about DK Metcalf and he catches that touchdown and you know, oh, Harry can't do that. So you asked him about how he, you know, how he feels watching games and seeing other guys from his draft class. And does he ever wonder why it hasn't happened quicker for him? What did he say? Well, he actually he actually gave a good response, and you know the reason. And I, I know I had one guy on Twitter being like, you know, when Belichick said there are dumb answers or dumb questions, like this was one of them. Like, no, <laughs> I thought it was, I thought my question was legit and fair, and I think pretty soon here a lot of us are going to be writing about Nikhil Harry because right now he is. Uh, I think it's eleven games that he's played into his uh, his career, and you know you. His answer was, you know, was good. He said he said that he can't really compare his situation to anybody else's. Um, he 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 says he's never been the type to just sit there and say, "Why hasn't this happened for me?" I know I'm in a different situation. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go out there every day and work on ways to improve and stay patient and trust God's timing. That's my philosophy. So, you know, and I also like the way. You know, you ask the question, even if it's over Zoom right now, you know, you want to look into a guy's eyes and see how he responds to the question because he could have not liked it and just, you know, yeah. given some sort of crap. Rolled answer. his eyes or some yeah. of the some of the body language as if, oh, here we go. Yeah, but in his answer, I really took it I took it as genuine that he realizes like you can't compare every situation. And he's right overall that like, you know, you can't look at, you know, DK Metcalf is playing with you know, Russell Wilson, and there are a bunch of people around him. And, and that, that offense suits DK Metcalf and, and, and the quarterback better than maybe Nikhil Harry. And he had to go through Tom Brady last year, who yep. hates rookies. Yep. And Russell Wilson will just throw to anybody off the street. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so the situations are different. You know, the situations for, you know, uh, AJ Brown in, in Tennessee, who had a nice game the other night. And, you know, you could see that they are trusted in certain situations. We've seen Cam, uh, that Seattle game, you know, you you made reference to it a few times in the past about that, you know, big third down throw as they were going down there to the one-yard line. Uh, that was a big trust moment and a big moment for him. And I do think yeah. we've seen a little bit of improvement here. But there's no question, like, you can't look at, you know, when you look at his draft class, and I, I went to Pro Football Reference and – downloaded the stats for that wide receiver group and they have a stat there called career AV which is approximate value and they have some sort of formula that 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 figures it out i mean out of that group AJ Brown's number 1 Debo DK Metcalf uh Hollywood Brown Terry McLaurin like those guys are the you know cream of the crop from that you know so Nikhil Harry was the second receiver taken out of that draft and out of you know career AV He's 14th in that group. I mean, there are guys, guys I I haven't even heard of. You probably have because you're more of a nutcase about this stuff than I am. (laughs) Who the hell is Ola B.C. Johnson on the Vikings? 
Kevin Har- Kelvin Harmon on the Redskins. Uh, yeah, Keyshawn- I would not put. I, I would not put those guys ahead of Nikhil Harry, but no, I, I'm I know. Not pro football I know. Focus, but yeah, I, and so you know, some of those is just you know, you, you, I mean, they even had like Andy Isabella over him, who I like Andy Isabella, but you know, he has less catches and he does have three touchdowns, and so does Nikhil Harry. But you know, just in general, uh, look, he hasn't performed as well as the other guys in his draft class, and and and. You know, I, I just th- there has to be a reason for that. I do think that he's getting better, and it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. So if he struggled up to this point, great. But what matters now is what does he do going forward? Because this team is going to need him. Yeah, I, I would have loved to see. And listen, it's it's unanswerable, right? We have no idea. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see if he stayed healthy last year. Yeah, and he didn't miss those. You know what was it? First eight or nine games. Yeah, eight games. Yeah, I mean that's huge, right? I mean Mm -hmm. that's absolutely huge. And then you 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 jump into the middle of the year, and like you said, Brady doesn't trust the young guys. He doesn't throw to them very often. Oh, I don't want to excuse his rookie year and say it doesn't count. That would that would be borderline disingenuous. But I do think when you look at his situation, like Terry McLaurin, he goes to the WFTs, and right away they're throwing the football to him constantly because yeah, they have they nobody stink. else who was even their quarterback last year. Oh, it was, uh, <laughs> wait, who, who was it before? Uh, was it, it wasn't Colt McCoy. Was it? It might've been. <laughs> no, no, no. They, they brought somebody in the kid that played at Denver. What was his name? Uh, I don't know. He started at that. He started in, uh, he started in Minnesota. Paxton Lynch. No, he went from Minnesota and then to Denver. Remember, he had that playoff year with Minnesota. He played fantastic. Well, his name escapes me. He went. <laughs> he was. He was in Minnesota. I think it was the Minneapolis Miracle. He was doing the skull, and then he ended up leaving there, and he went to Denver because Minnesota signed Kirk Cousins. Wait, I got it. Hang on, Keenum. Hey, thank you, Case Keenum. Thank God. <laughs> so it was Keenum, and then it was McCoy slash Haskins, but they were throwing the ball to him constantly. So yep. I, I do wish, like, you can't go back in time, but I would love to see Nikhil Harry if he had those, you know, that first half of his rookie year under his belt. He might have, you know, he might have got off the ground quicker this year right out of the blocks, game number one. So uh, we'll see. I, I think it's progression with him. It's if it's baby steps, I don't care. As long as he's improving, that's the most important thing. Uh, you did ask him about his frustration. Did you like his answer with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, look, it was, um, it was about what that, that answer I said, you know, are you frustrated or you just, you know, you just are where you are with your development. And he said, you know, no, my mindset is doing whatever coach needs me to do. At the end of the day, I'm not too worried about personal stats and stuff like that. I mean, it was fine. That's, that's what I thought I would get. And I knew the answer that I would get, but I was just, you know, I just wanted to see his reaction because, you know, us as reporters, like we have to ask the question, like we could think we're going to get a certain answer, but you don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, the reason I asked the first question is because I wanted I wanted to know. I wanted to see his reaction. And who knows? He could have said, you know what? Yeah, you know, I did. I watched A.J. Brown the other night. He made a lot of tough catches in, 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 in big spots. And I haven't really done that yet. And, like, and I went to my coach and we talked about it. And, like, I just got to work doubly as hard, you know, that sort of thing. You just never know what you're going to get. But I thought, I thought overall I thought is – his uh his attitude dealing with the question and his ans- and his answers uh overall were were good and show me that he's in a good place like there are a lot of guys a lot of rookies that I've covered in this league who 11 12 games into their rookie year as a receiver as a first round pick that they haven't had that much production 
they'd be second guessing themselves all the time. Yeah. And it shows me that he's in a good place and also shows it probably doesn't hurt the cams back in the mix now, because I do know the cam has been a big champion of his behind the scenes. And I, to me, that's a, that's a, that's a very good indicator for, he could have a lot more upside down the road. All right. Before we get to the Boston sports journal.com member question of the day, you do have a little nugget about Tom Brady, a Tom Brady progress report here on the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. What's Brady thinking now? He's been in Tampa now for a little bit more than a quarter of the season. What are you hearing? Well, uh, so I got done watching the uh, the Bears film, and I actually th- thought Brady played pretty well in that game. He got no protection, and everyone's been over you know the penalties and yeah. OJ Howard was out too. Scotty Miller was banged up. Chris Godwin was out of that game, so he was missing you know, two or three of his, I wouldn't say go-to guys, Godwin is, but, you know, two or three vital pieces to that pass offense. Yeah, and I thought he played pretty well overall, including he made a couple really nice throws down the stretch. They just, you know, they just couldn't push it over the top, and I think that has more to do with, you know, what's around him in terms of uh, atmosphere, coaching, things like that. And, you know, I've reached out to a couple people who know Tom well just to be like, hey, have you talked to Tom? How's he doing? What's he thinking? And, and, you know, from the conversations that I've had with people, um, sort of, and, and all of them have said the same thing that Tom's just, his reaction has been like, this is, this is tougher than I thought it was going to be in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, it's just, you know, you, probably in his mind, he thought I dropped myself and Gronkowski and those weapons. And, you know, I, it'll be easy, but I, I think, not easy, but easier. But I think that Tom has just realized that it's more, you know, it's more encompassing. And and maybe maybe Tom sort of realizes, you know, the value of a Belichick and, and those guys who can keep the entire, they can keep the defense playing a certain way and the special teams. And Tom doesn't really have to worry about that. He just worries yeah. about getting the offense in shape. Whereas, no. I think I think he realizes now that like when they brought him in there, we even heard some of this talk from Bruce Arians and also uh, the general manager Jason Light when they brought him in there. They talked about like, oh, how great Tom's his leadership for the whole team is being, and like yep. that's that's just a lot to put on Tom. And, and people don't really know this, but Tom wasn't sort of the end all be all for the Patriots. Tom sort of like just took care of his own stuff, like. You know, let me take care of my passing offense and the offense in general, and I'm good. And I don't, you know, I'm not a big rah rah guy for everybody else and things like that. Whereas I think, I think he's really realizing now that he has to be even more for that team to get them on the right page. And it's going to be tough to push it uphill. Yeah. I think, you know, your, your expectations, right? Uh, It's, you've been with one organization for 20 years. That organization is pretty much buttoned up. I mean, I, I don't want to kiss the tuchus of the Patriots and go overboard, but they're they're buttoned up. And you see how Tampa just ruins drives because of being undisciplined. Oh, you see brutal. some of the mistakes that they make, and, and you see how Arians handles the media. I do wonder if, if in, his, in his quiet moments, he's sitting back, Brady, that is, and he's thinking, man, I, I kind of overlooked some of those little things, some of those other things. And as he's going crazy on the offensive line the other night against Chicago, because yet again, the offensive line has roughly 72 penalties on it. I do wonder if he's like, man, like this, this shouldn't be my job week in and week out talking to these guys about playing disciplined and good football like that. That's not my job. 
And, and so we'll see because we know. We know one thing about Brady. We've learned this his last two years in New England. He gets frustrated. He gets a little angry. People will know. And you saw him yelling at the O-line in that game that yep. night against Chicago. He doesn't hide it well. He doesn't hide his anger and frustration very well. So we'll see where that all leads because the expectations are in Tampa, get us to a championship, Tom. You're the greatest of all time. You're supposed to be our savior. We'll see how it goes. And if, if he does start to get a little frustrated. Yeah, Nick, I think you're exactly right about, <clears throat> you know, Brady sort of in his quiet hours at St. Judersburg or, you know, whatever, when he's sitting out by the pool on the intercoastal and things like that. Like he must be like, well, you know, wow, you know, this is tough. It reminds me of like one of my favorite movie lines in uh, uh, The Last Crusade, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, uh, and, the the Sean Connery and uh, Harrison Ford are, uh, you know, add up Nazi book burning or something like that. And Connery turns to Harrison Ford and says, we're po- pilgrims in an unholy land. Like, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's how Brady feels right about now. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, he has to just be perfect and everything. It's just like everywhere there's like landmines going off from like bad protection to penalties yep. to, you yep. know, missed tackles to, you know, drop passes. Like it's just, and, and you look over there and Arians is just, he's standing over there. He looks like a doofus. Like he's not, <laughs> you know, and I, I like Bruce Arians as a guy and he's a great guy to have a beer with, but like, you know, it's just like Tom, sometimes Tom has to be like, are you going to do something? Like about this, are you going to get mad at anybody or bench anybody? Because it's just including I got there's one thing I got to say. The more and more I watch the Bucks, the more and more I hate watching Mike Evans play football. I really do. And and I saw some of this at Texas A&M when I when I did a big story on Johnny Manziel. And, uh, you know, he was tremendous in college. Evans was. But like, you know, even the first first pass of the game, it's the second play of the game, mind you. And. There's zone coverage. The Bears are doing zone coverage. Evans runs. He's on the right sideline. He runs this route. There's a there's a cornerback over the top of him, but instead of fighting through it, and Brady throws the ball. Brady makes a nice throw where, all right, I'll give Evans a chance to fight for the ball. What does Evans do? He packs it in and doesn't even go for the ball, and then he raises his arms, his arm to say, all right, I'm tapping out this play. Like, it's the second play in the game. Like, what are we doing here? And, like, there's every every week, Every pass, there's some sort of like he's bad body language, all this stuff. Like Brady must hate throwing to him. I mean, yes, he makes him look good sometimes. He's really good on the goal line. But in general, he is like the anti-Brady receiver where he can't get open against man coverage and you can't really trust where he's going to be because we've already seen him cut off routes and things like that, like the interception yeah. in the first game. And it's then just, you had it Arians, must drive him crazy. Yeah, you had Arians throw Brady under the bus and then come back and go, oh, yeah. wait a minute, that was actually on Mike. Hey, Bruce, how about you watch the film before you decide <laughs> to throw your quarterback out of the bus? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, let's get to the uh, bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check them out at BSJ, 11 cents a day on our annual plan. Uh, not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston Pro sports, if you're a Patriots junkie, which, of course, all of you are, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that Greg does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, let's go to Mike A. Mike A asks you, Greg, Greg, does a toonie for Engram, Evan Engram for the Giants, uh, trade make sense, or do you think the Patriots are giving up too much in that deal? I know the Giants O-line blows, and it is all. Dave Gettleman, just, mwah, chef's kiss to you. <laughs> you continue to destroy that team. 
uh, I know the Giants O-line blows. So uh, could they use him, Greg? Oh, for sure they could use him. Now, they might does, be able to use you, Greg, at this point on that Giants O-line. <laughs> they could. Now, just <laughs> looking at Ingram's contract, he's he's on the books for this year, and they have the fifth-year option next year at $6 million. Um, you know, for Tooney, you know, that's that's a tough one. Um, just because I, I wish there was more term uh, that you had, maybe a couple more years on the rookie deal. Uh, I would definitely consider it. I, I would want the Giants to to toss in a pick, uh, probably along with that. But I would look into it, and and I also looked into you know the Giants. They do have Will Hernandez as a decent guard. They played yeah. Zeitler, uh, the right guard who used yep. to be on the Bengals. They paid him a ton of money, and Hernandez is pretty good. He has not played well this year, but there's they have a humongous problem at center. And if I'm the Giants, I'm basically I, I'm looking to bring in a guy like Tooney, and we'll figure out the rest later, including you can play Tooney at center, evidently, from what we saw in one game, because they got to get Cam Fleming out of there. I mean, I can't believe this guy is still in the league, but he is, <laughs> and he was a turnstile the other night. But, uh, man, we missed Cam Fleming. He was just – he was a fixture in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the bottom three for my three up, three down every week. I'll tell you that it might be like if you put Tooney on that Giants O line, be that Bugs Bunny episode of when he's playing every position. On Pretty the much diamond. Yep. They just move Tooney around. Be like, damn it, we need help on the left side. All right, now move to the right side. Now we need them to play center. They're a disaster. I, I don't. Gettleman continues to steal money every single day. I, I don't know how he does it. It's it's truly magical because he's driving that team right into the ground. All right, quick one minute. The Broncos. They obviously get Drew Locke back because of the COVID situation. He gets Ooh, an extra. Now week you're in big, deal. big trouble. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got you've got Locke, you've got Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay in the backfield. Um, Jerry Judy uh, is a good receiver. But your thoughts, just quick about this game is is it is it going to be close this game at all on Sunday? Yeah, it's a ten point spread, which yeah. normally is a lot. Um, and considering what the Patriots have had to go through, um, you think they might get off to a little bit of a rusty, slow start, but I just don't think this Broncos team is very good as a whole. And, you know, I, I, I like, I like the Patriots in this spot. I think they're, you know, hopefully they're more like the Titans who look like they were dying to play the other night and and fresh legs and that sort of thing. So I like the Patriots about you know, 30 to 10, somewhere in that, that, that range. I just, this is a game they need to clean up on and then let's get on with the tougher part of the schedule and let's get on with business. Yeah. I feel like this is a 27, 13 ish kind of game. I think they can win by two scores. So that'll do it. We'll see if we're right. If we're wrong, we'll see if they play this game. We always have to have that disclaimer now in the world of COVID, but uh, hopefully fingers crossed they play on Sunday, one o'clock kickoff, which is nice. And uh, we'll have our thoughts uh, early next week. For the uh, man, the myth, the legend, Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. Greg Bedard, Patriots Podcast, with me. Uh, We'll talk to you early next week.